Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Kensington Unitarians, uh, this gathered community on a fairly sunny spring morning. I am inordinately grateful that you chose to be here and not out frolicking. <laughs> a particular welcome to anyone who's here for the first time today, also to returning visitors, those who come and go as life allows. Welcome to those listening on the podcast at some later date who are also a part of our larger community. And welcome to those of you who are here, week in and week out, those for whom this is your spiritual home. Welcome all. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackall and I've been a member of this congregation for nearly 18 years now. Our Minister Sarah is having a day off, a well-earned day off, so I'll be taking the service this morning. Our opening words are by Jack Mendelssohn. Here in this sanctuary of ancient dreams and wisdom and beauty, we come to grow, to be healed, to stretch mind and heart, to be challenged, renewed, to be helped in our continuing struggles for meaning and love, to help build a world with more justice and mercy in it, to be counted among the hopers and doers. In the face of cynicism and brutality around the world, around us and within, we seek to align ourselves with a living community that would affirm rather than despair, that would think and act rather than simply adjust and succumb. Here we invite the spirit of our own humanity and the healing powers around, under, through and beyond it to give us the nerve and grace the toughness and sensitivity to search out the truth that frees, the life that makes all things new. And we'll start, as we always do, by lighting our chalice, the symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. It connects us with people of faith who went before us, all who will choose to follow after us, all who are lighting chalices around the country this morning and around the world, this wide and welcoming religious path. For this one hour, may we set aside our anxieties, our fears, our anger and self-doubt, our regrets, grievances and distractions. If only for this one hour, let the flame of this chalice burn them from our hearts and minds and light our way to peace and serenity for this one holy hour. Let's take those joys and concerns now into a time of prayer and reflection with some words adapted from a friend of this congregation, Linda Harp, who used to be the minister down at Richmond. Let's join in the spirit of prayer. Spirit of love and life, open our hearts this day and help us to see. Let us see in each other's eyes the reflection of our own and know that we are one. Open our hearts this day and help us to know. 
May we know that we are inescapably joined to the human family and that there are no real strangers. In these moments of stillness, joined with each other, sharing breath in this room, sharing life with all those we meet, one human family, let us open to each other, open to the web of connection that connects us all, to these com companions, to all of humanity, to our world and the wide universe, all turning as one together. May these feelings of connection, of sympathy, compassion and love be with us this day and in the days to come. Amen. This Falling Out of Bed by Gordon McKeeman. Very early, a few mornings ago, I fell out of bed. It was not, I repeat, not an ordinary event. I don't recall ever having done so before, and I hope I'll not do it again. Apparently, as I slipped over the edge, I made a desperate grab for something firm to prevent my fall, and the night table wasn't it. It tipped, drawers slid out, and I bruised my knee on the corner of a drawer. It hurt. It was very uncomfortable, not a little... I was very uncomfortable, not a little chagrined, puzzled, a bit angry, and need I say, unhappy. How did it happen? I didn't know. I wasn't en route anywhere. I wasn't even awake until I began to fall. Then I thought of a little squib from a church newsletter at least a generation ago. People fall out of church for the same reason that children fall out of bed. They fall asleep too near the place where they get in. That's the reason. I fell asleep too near the place where I got in. End of story? Not really. I began to wonder whether such accidents happen in other contexts. There are many, many books that remain unread. I went to sleep too near the place where I got in. And there are many, many people I might have got to know better, listened to more intently and purposefully to their stories, rather than waiting for a pause so I could tell mine. I went to sleep too near the edge. I hear people talking about living on the edge, I suppose, at the boundary between the known and the unknown. In some sense, we all dwell in that realm. Each new dawn heralds an unknown day. We sometimes assure, assure ourselves that the new one will be similar to those we've already lived. We feel reassured by the hope of reliability. My unexpected, disorienting and discomforting fall out of bed has impressed upon me the conviction that the edge is not a good place to fall asleep. If you go to sleep there, you're likely to miss some new great happenings, like the ending of a conflict, a truce between old enemies, a new bit of community taking root in a casual apprenticeship, or a new blossom sprung out of an old plant. Of course, we must sleep. I can tell you it's not a good idea to go to sleep too near the place where you got in. The edge is an all right place, but it's not for sleeping. Now, that was a promise, wasn't it? <laughs> this is a reading on the blessings of community by Douglas Taylor. Alone in the world, I was beset with frustration and anger at the world around me. So much injustice and hatred so little peace and freedom. 
I longed to make a difference. I struggled against powers and institutions, but my actions seemed insignificant and my words were drowned out. Then I came into community, a religious community of hope and love. Here I found support and energy, vision and power, the authority of shared witness. And together we changed the world. Alone in the world, I was beset by sorrow and hurt in my life. So much loss and emptiness, so little hope and understanding. I wept for the pain in my heart. I ached from the hardships I bore. But my tears brought little relief and my burdens grew too heavy. Then I came into community, a religious community of hope and love. Here I found support and compassion, wisdom and grace, and the power of shared suffering. And together we made life sweeter. Alone in the world I was beset by confusion and emptiness in my soul, so much busyness and pettiness, so little depth or connection. I shriveled inside from want of real spiritual bonds and my soul cried out for meaning. Then I came into community, a religious community of hope and love. Here I found support and encouragement, depth and diversity, and the power of sharing the journey. And together, we saved my life, our lives. For all the varied reasons that have brought us out of loneliness and into community, we give thanks. For the blessings we each bestow on one another, with our energy, compassion, and prayer, we give thanks. For the blessing we become to others in need, we give thanks and remember that we are not alone. Now come to a time for meditation. There'll be some words to introduce the time of stillness and silence. It's a longer reading than perhaps we usually have. What I want to suggest is that you almost internally improvise on the words that you hear or just let them flow over you. Use this time in the way that you need to. So you might want to put down anything you don't need to hold, get comfortable in your chair. You might want to focus on the candles in the centre or close your eyes. After these introductory words, there'll be a few good few minutes of silence, which I'll end with a sound of our bell. Source and spirit of our lives, voice in our hearts and light in our minds, in the joyful freedom of our fellowship, we are here together as adventurers, called forth in spirit 
moving, yearning, questing, pushing the limits of our lives outwards to what is more loving and just, more beautiful and true. Here in this church, for so many of us, a spiritual home, this place made holy by the memories, aspirations, the purposes and ideals of those before us. We would be inspired by their example. These were people of vision and spirit. We too, those of us here today, we are also people of spirit. We too are powerfully moved by a deep concern for our world and a deep caring for one another. The spirit moves in us too, as a free religious community joined in common aspiration, commitment and hope. May ours be a faith that is more than just beautiful words and high ideals. May ours be a faith of vitality and commitment, a faith that burns in our hearts and minds. May <coughs> ours be a faith that shines to the world as the light of deeds and the witness of actions. May we respond boldly to your call for adventure, for love, for justice and for joy. And let's take those high aspirations into a time of shared stillness now. This morning's service is entitled A Transformative Faith and for the next 10 minutes or so we're going to ponder this question what does it mean, what could it mean for religion to be transformative? More specifically, what might transformative religion look like for Unitarians, people like us? What might it mean for you, for everybody here today, for everybody listening on the podcast? According to the Centre for Philosophy of Religion at Notre Dame University, a transformative experience is an enduring reorganisation of a person's thinking. For instance, their beliefs, attitudes, traits and emotions that substantially alters life as they experience or live it. I wonder if anyone here today, or anybody listening at home later, thinks about their religious faith, their Unitarianism, in these terms. We Unitarians are generally not known for dramatic conversion experiences. I don't know how many of you would say that you've had your ways of thinking permanently reorganised or your life substantially altered by your Unitarianism. Though I would say, honestly, for me, that has happened. My life is very different to what it would have been without this community, without the wider Unitarian community. I think it's been a change for the better. Um, but even if you haven't had that kind of dramatic change, 
Perhaps some of you will have experienced a more subtle change over a longer period of time. Perhaps you'd have experienced a more gradual giving of your heart to this place and these people, to this tradition and our wider Unitarian family. So let's start by thinking about some of these more modest forms of transformation. When I first started thinking about this service a few months back, I asked some members of the church uh, what their experience of transformation had been. Had the experience of being part of this congregation changed their lives in ways large or small? Or had it changed their life at all? Maybe through new things that they had learned, insights they had gained, perhaps through people they'd met, personal support they'd received, or even in ways they had been challenged to change the way they think or behave, or maybe even their old way of life. Essentially, any way in which they have been even slightly transformed by their participation in this modest, quirky, religious community that some of us call home. Almost everybody I spoke to mentioned the way in which they'd found meaningful connections here with caring, supportive people, encouraging people, that those relationships had made a difference to their lives in good times and bad. And that is not an insignificant change in one's life. It can be hugely meaningful, it can occasionally be life-saving. That's not an exaggeration. Someone in particular noted that as a single person, as an older person, the sense of belonging that they'd found in this community was particularly significant for them. Knowing that whatever else is going on in your life, you can come here on a Sunday, every single week, like people have been doing in this building for nearly 40 years and on this site for nearly 150 years, and you can rely on seeing more or less the same friendly, familiar faces of people who more or less share your values. This actually matters a great deal to people. Your presence here matters to them, to me. You might not always credit it, but people are looking forward to seeing you and being seen by you. If you're a regular and you've not been spotted for a few weeks, someone will be wondering how you are and will probably try to get in touch. Now, that won't sound like a big deal to everyone. For some people, it might not even sound desirable. They might want to be left alone. But for those of us who are feeling a bit lonely or disconnected or even alienated, you might say, the knowledge that there's somewhere you belong can be life-changing in itself. Another theme that came up a lot when I asked people about the ways in which this church had helped to bring about transformation in their lives can be summed up by this comment. Church helps me to be my best self. Perhaps this is because it gives you a regular time and space to reflect on your life, to be around other thoughtful people who are also committed to reflecting about deep matters, wrestling with questions of meaning and purpose, wondering hard about how best to live. It's the sort of activity that it's otherwise easy to put off if you've got a busy life, but making a habit of coming here once a week, come what may, helps you keep a focus on it, regardless of what else is going on. This community will help you in your own personal exploration and self-development. In general, people around you are not trying to mould you into anything in particular, but they'll do whatever they can to cheer you on while you're doing your own work. You can try out new things in a setting where, in general, people are rooting for you to do well. Somebody else touchingly spoke of their own experience of transformation here. They said in this church they'd changed towards someone that they'd like to be and that everyone they'd engaged with had been supportive and accepting. 
They said, you are enabled by others to transform by yourself for yourself. This is probably a good moment to mention in passing that all this talk about being a place of transformation doesn't imply that I or anybody else thinks that there's anything wrong with you and that you need fixing. We're all jolly splendid as we are and by virtue of the fact that we're still alive, we're on a journey of change that isn't finished yet. Indeed, the uh, UU minister, Douglas Taylor, points out that a precondition to true transformation is to accept ourselves in the moment. He quotes Carl Rogers, the psychologist, it wasn't until I accepted myself just as I was in this moment that I felt free to change. So let's return for a moment to the question we started out with. What might transformative religion look like for Unitarians? In the words that are on the front of your order of service, UU Minister Kent Doss has got this to say on the subject. I'm really curious about what it would look like for us as Unitarians to open ourselves to having a transformational experience in our religious life. I don't mean feeling like you've got a new idea or feeling motivated to do a little better this week. I mean, what would it take for us to come to church open to the possibility of leaving a different person, transformed by the sacred, filled with a new spirit of love, justice and compassion, so much so that you couldn't help but make changes in the rest of your life? To me, it sounds like he's talking about something more dramatic here, more like a Unitarian conversion. Not just small-scale alterations here and there, but a whole reorientation and rededication of your life. A sense of wholeheartedly committing to that spirit of love, justice and compassion, taking your values very seriously, sorting out your priorities, and actively rearranging your life so that you can give more of your time and energy to the things that ultimately matter most of all. Religion's transformation of this kind is not an end in itself, not just a mystical swoon. We are transformed so that we can go out and transform the broken world. We are transformed so that we can speak the truth and challenge injustice. We are transformed, if you like, so that we can build the kingdom of God, as, as in the hymn that we just sang. It's about claiming this sense of purpose and aligning our actions with the greater good. And feel free to choose the form of words that works for you in this regard. UU Minister Scott Alexander has got a lot to say about it. This, again, is quite a long quote, but I think it's worth it. He says, True religion, transforming, saving, compassionate religion, is about rolling up your sleeves and genuinely living a theology of dirty hands. It's about standing up for principles, living your values and serving others. It's not convenient to live by one's most dearly held principles. There are many costs and sacrifices that are required. True religion <clears throat> limits, tests and challenges the individual. It is often anything but fun. For in this broken world of ours, it is hard to serve justice, difficult to work for peace and equality, demanding to live compassionately. Taking your Unitarianism seriously, he continues, means that your beliefs, principles and values should be visibly present in your life. People around you should be able to see your religion in all the big and little ways, in what you say and do in relationships, in how you make decisions and solve problems, in the institutions and causes to which you give your time and money, in how you care and serve other things, most especially other people. 
Being a Unitarian means daily lending yourself and your soul to the building of a gentler, more humane world. Most often not in grand and glorious heroic feats like those accomplished by great human saints, but in little everyday ways that have the power to transform our world, one caring, responsible deed at a time. Those words of encouragement and challenge from Scott Alexander. We have so much potential within us as individuals and as a small, quirky religious community to help make the world better in innumerable, different and beautiful ways. And in this congregation, we can support each other to realise that potential, to use our gifts to the full, to spot and develop those gifts that are as yet undiscovered, to coax and cajole and occasionally prod one another into new phases of growth. It's perhaps too easy to forget how unusual this is, this opportunity that we have right here. You're onto a really good thing, well done. Well done for finding us and well done for staying put. This gathered community of people of all shapes, sizes, ages and life experiences brought together by what? It's not always obvious, is it? Shared values, maybe? Be sure you're making the most of this remarkable opportunity. For your own sake, for the sake of all of us, for the sake of something bigger. Make a leap of faith, some sort of inner commitment to deepen your religious life, to take your faith a bit more seriously, to let it truly transform you. I'd like to close with some words from the UU Minister Joshua Snyder. He says, Even doing a small thing can transform us if it resonates with our soul. For it is in that moment when we understand that religion is more than a set of philosophical ideals that one gives intellectual assent to. Rather, religion is the truth that you live your life by. It goes beyond knowing to actually doing or not doing something, because you're called by God or by your innermost conscience to do it. That takes real courage, for it's when we follow that deep stir of the soul and we have the courage to let it burst forth into the world in some concrete way, that our faith becomes transformative. May it be so for all of us. Amen. If you are who you were, and if the person next to you is who he or she or they was, if none of us has changed since the day we came in here, we failed. The purpose of this community of any church, temple, mosque, is to help its people grow. We do this through encounters with the unknown, in ourselves, in one another, in the other, whatever that might be for us, however hard that might be, because these encounters have so many gifts to offer. So may you go forth from here today, not who you were, but who you could be. So may we all. Amen.